0: Good morning, how we doing? Good, doing good, awesome. Hey, who ran the 5K this morning, right? Who ran the 5K this morning? Raise your hand, keep your hand held high, keep it up. All right, hey, the broken proverb says that only the wicked flee when no one pursues. So hopefully somebody was chasing you, all right? Because I just want you to live a biblical life. All right, so running might be a sin. I don't know for sure, that might be false teaching, but I'm kidding. How was it, it was good? How were the hills, the heat? Paul and I, we um, we did, what was it, about an 8K? We did close to an 8K this morning to a donut shop in Jackson. Uh, we drove, but time, our time was impeccable. All right? We're working on 5,000 calories today, so we're excited to be a part of this with you guys competing alongside you in this race. Uh, So no, hey, I'm excited to get to hang out with you guys Last night, we kind of jumped into it, got after it a little bit And I just want you guys to maybe get to know me um, Just a little bit, just so you know where I'm coming from My name is Britton, and I know last night you're like, okay, cool, we've heard it But um, my wife's name is Hope, Uh, she is awesome She is way out of my league, she loves Jesus in a way that I wish I could And if she was here right now, she'd tell me to shut up and get to work So I'm going to stop right there Um, I have an awesome dog named Chief. Uh, He's one of the coolest dogs you've ever met. And uh, I miss them right now, so I'm introducing you to them so you can miss them as well. Okay, so Hope and Chief are cool. Not that you guys aren't. Um, I just don't like you as much, and uh, I mean it. So, uh, no, I'm excited to be hanging out with you guys. Last night, um, we talked about a hidden life, how our best life is a life that is hidden in Christ. And that if we are going to be serious about following Jesus, that we are going to have to begin to take some things serious in our life. That we are going to have to begin to kill sin, that, to, to see our life begin to reshape and realign to God's design for his glory, for, for, for his kingdom. You guys remember we talked about that last night, right? International sign for yes, Right here, okay? Yeah, last night we talked about that. In the book of Colossians, we began to, to see the Spirit of God move in this place and see where God is, is tugging on hearts and he's, in, he's, he's provoking minds and he's calling you out of a place of complacency and out of a place of comfort and into a place of the awareness, the presence, and the power of his Spirit in your life. But it took a step of faith. It took you getting on your face or your knees or standing up or whatever it was. And maybe your moment happened in the dorms or maybe it was sitting right in your seat. But I want you to understand something. The Spirit of God is not contained to your ability to respond publicly. So for those of you maybe that sat in your seat and you're wondering, did I miss it? Man, I felt like God really prompted me in that space, but I didn't respond maybe the way that the preacher guy said to. I want you to know that your response to God one first. all right? This isn't a get out of jail free card, so hang on. I'm going to discourage you here in a minute, all right? But first, it happens in your heart. It's an awareness of the fact that God is calling you to something more. He's calling you out of darkness and into light. And so if you experienced that conviction in your seat last night, praise the Lord. Praise God that you can hear his voice, that you can you, you hear his conviction that the Spirit of God is moving in your life. So don't be discouraged if you maybe didn't respond the way that you thought it should look like, and maybe you were a little scared, or you had some fear, or whatever that was. Praise the Lord you can hear him. Now here's your encouragement that might feel like Discouragement. A big aspect of following Jesus is saying yes to him no matter who's looking. And so I wanna encourage you guys that if you are feeling and experiencing and feeling like God is calling you to say yes to him in a public way, don't say no here because that no will leave here with you. And if you cannot acknowledge Christ publicly in front of a bunch of other people that are here with you in it, it's gonna be really hard to acknowledge Christ in your schools, in your communities, in your workplace. And so that's my encouragement to you, okay? And now that acknowledgement of Christ doesn't just have to look like what I say or what Paul says. We're not the Holy Spirit in your life. But I just ask that if this week at any point in time, God asks you to do something, maybe it's confessing sin, maybe it's having a conversation, being reconciled in a relationship, forgiving somebody, whatever that is, that if God prompts you to that, that you feel that reality in your life and you feel like he's calling you into something, that you'd be obedient to him. That you'd say yes to him. Because that's why we're here, right? Your response isn't to Paul and I. Your response isn't to the worship band. Your response is to the spirit of God. And I want you to be aware of that. And I want you to understand that your ability to respond to him is going to be what changes your life forever. Because if it's just the words that a couple preachers say to you, or it's just the words that the band kind of gets together and sings in a really beautiful way, right? You guys rock, All right, let's give the band a round of applause. Yeah, 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 yeah. The band is awesome. They're killing it. But if all of your response and all of your spiritual life and all of your, 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 your moments where you feel like you're responding to God are being facilitated by other people, you might just be consuming Christianity. And what we don't want to do here is just create a bunch of people who consume. We want contributors. We want people who can hear and discern and obey the Spirit of God in their everyday life on their own. And we're gonna to get to that. We've got like 14 days left, I'm pretty sure. So buckle up, all right, it's gonna be fun. Today we're gonna to jump into the book book bu- book. We're gonna be in the book of Luke. Uh, we're gonna be in the book of Luke, chapter twelve. So if you got your Bible, turn there. Luke chapter twelve. I know we're in a windstorm. I got paper clips. You guys should get paper clips for your Bible pages. It's revolutionary. Yeah, praise God. Luke chapter 12, it's on page 924 in my Bible. Uh, It's in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, So it's the third book in the New Testament. If you're turning that way, it's in the back half. If you don't have a Bible and you're here, will you let us know? I don't know if we can get one, but I bet Ruffin can figure it out, right? We want people to have Bibles, right? We can, we can figure that out. If you don't have a Bible and you're here, make sure you talk to him and we will get you a Bible. If you have a Bible and you've just decided you don't need it here, I promise I'll give you a guarantee. I can't guarantee a lot in life, but I can guarantee you this. You'll need it, Okay. So bring it with you to the tabernacle in the mornings, in the evenings, because we want you guys to learn how to use these things. We want you to learn how to flip through them, how to find books on your own, how to use the table of contents, how to navigate the scriptures. Because at the end of the day, next Sunday, we're all leaving, all right? And you're going to be left on your own, and it's going to come down to the fact of, can you feed yourself? Everybody can, here can eat when somebody's holding the spoon, But can you grab the spoon and put it in your mouth yourself? So bring your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we will get you one. Learn how to use it. Luke Luke chapter 12, page 924 in my Bible. How many of you are on page 924 right now and very confused? Right now, I'm just kidding. Hey, Luke chapter 12, big number 12. We're going to go down to verse 4. Verse 4, this is Jesus teaching here. Jesus says, I say to you, my friends... don't fear those who kill the body and after that can do nothing more, but I will show you the one to fear. Fear him who has the authority to throw people into hell after death. Yes, I say to you, this is the one to fear. Good morning, Indian Springs. Yeah, we're in it to win it, getting after it in the morning. All right. Hey, Jesus is teaching here and he's talking about fear. And we remember we talked about the first night Paul came and we talked about fear. And a lot of you guys, you stood up and you said, I trust you, Jesus. I trust you, Jesus. And so Jesus is continuing in his teaching on fear, and he's reminding his friends, he's reminding those people around him, the people that are claiming to be his followers, claiming to be his disciples, and he's saying, listen, do not fear people that can just merely destroy your body on this side of eternity. Yes, that is a radical teaching, but Jesus meant it. There is real-life persecution that happens to those that want to follow Jesus, And I know in our day and age and in our culture, we're like, yeah, they probably won't follow me back if I love Jesus. But these people were legitimately fearing for their lives. People's bodies were being legitimately destroyed. People were being killed for the sake of the gospel. And Jesus is encouraging them here. Don't just fear people who can kill you here. Right? For us, don't just fear people that will just, hey, you're good. Pick it up. Don't be nervous. Hey, it's all good. Hey, it's morning time. We're doing the thing, okay? Now, don't do that tonight, though. All right, you do that tonight, Paul will kick you out of here. Um, No, I'm just playing. What's your name? Jayla. Jesus wants to use you in a really cool way. I can tell. Um, So don't just fear people that on this side of eternity are going to judge you. Maybe you're going to say some mean things about you. People that are going to disapprove of you. People that are going to cancel you, right? That's a culture we live in today. That if you align yourself with the teachings of Jesus, if you align yourself with the scriptures, if you hang on to the authority of that and you become somebody that fully submits to Jesus, man, you might not make it in this world. But understand something, Jesus has overcome the world. And so he's telling his disciples here, he's saying, listen, don't just fear these people on this side of eternity. No, you need to fear God. You need to fear God. And I remember when I was you guys' this age, and, and even as I got older, that was like a concept that was really foreign and weird to me because, like, the preacher would come up, he'd be like, man, God loves you. He's so, he wants to be reconciled to you, and he wants to have a life and a relationship with you, and you are his son, but you need to be terrified of him. And it's like, huh? What does that even mean? Right? But what I think is being taught here, and as you get into the the words that are being used in the Greek, I'm not that guy, but Matt will tell you what all the Greek words mean. Um, But you just have a conversation with him. But what he's pointing to here is a word that I think a better would be reverence. To to have reverence of God, to have a holy awe of God that, 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 that comes out as you need to be aware of his power. And you need to submit to that. Because that whenever you are aware of the power of God, when you fear and live in reverence and awe of who God is, that doesn't create our human nature fear, right, where we're like hiding in the corner calling mom, did you hear that? I think somebody's trying to. No, that's not the fear we're talking about here. This, this healthy fear of God brings courage and faith into our relationship with God. Because as we begin to align ourselves rightly with God the Father and understand his power and, and who he is, and we live in a healthy reverence of him, we begin to see how big he is and how little we are. How much more powerful he is over our situations and our circumstances And how much control we really don't have. And that if we will align ourselves truly with who God is, that will bring courage and confidence and boldness into your life because you can begin to trust that God is who he says he is and you don't have to be. And so as you align yourself right with that, now you can live more freely to to follow and obey what he's calling you to. But I think the issue is, and and I'm just going to be honest with you guys because that's why I'm here is I think there's a lot of us in this room that are way more concerned with other people around us than we are what the Father thinks. I think a lot of us in here are really consumed with the opinion of others. What will they think? What will they say? Am I supposed to do this? Am I not supposed to do this? And we're not aligning ourselves directly with what the Father has called us to. Just last night, as we began to to give the altar call and invite people to surrender sin and idols, something I observed is the initial response wasn't, Lord, what do you want from me here? It was, what's everybody else doing around me? What's going on here? What's going on there? Are they going to see it? Is this the night we're supposed to do that? Or is that Thursday that we go for? I don't remember. What's the st- what are we supposed to do? Rather than being aware of who God is, his spirit in your life, and just responding to that. That's kind of a practical play out for us that we've seen of somebody who fears man or fears people and fears the, 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 the disapproval or the approval, and we want people to approve, and we're, our whole life is aligned with what will they say, what will they think. Or it's aligned with who God is and a healthy reverence and awe and fear of God. Because someone who fears God says yes to him no matter what. Real Christianity, write this down if you're taking notes. This statement radicalized my whole life and how I follow Jesus. Real Christianity says yes to Jesus every time. Real Christianity says yes to Jesus every time. This isn't a half in, half out, I obey when it's convenient, I obey when nobody's looking, or I obey when everybody's looking type thing. No, real Christianity says yes to Jesus every time, in the secret places. When no one would know but you. When that obedience wouldn't get you a round of applause, a pat on the back, or that a boy. When that obedience wouldn't put you on a platform. When that obedience would cost you something. When that obedience may lead to you being the only one who goes. Real Christianity says yes to Jesus every time. You know, the obedience I'm talking about there, I think about Stephen in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, he has been elected to kind of lead the food pantry. And we see that as he's leading the food pantry for the ministry so the apostles continue going out and doing what God has called them to do, he's kind of leading this feeding program. And we see there's a moment where the religious people, they get together, and they decide, you know what, we're going to stone him. We're going to kill him. And Stephen begins to stand there and preach the message of a lifetime as he's about to face death and persecution, like Jesus is talking about here. A, light, a, a real cost for his faith. And rather than cowering back and saying, you know what, you're right, I back out, I don't want to be a part of this anymore. No, he stood firm, he preached the gospel, and I love this picture, some people miss it. it says that Jesus stood. Jesus stood, was standing at the right hand of God. See, that's the kind of obedience that brings Jesus to his feet. Real Christianity that says yes to Jesus every time. Somebody that says, I don't care what it costs me. I don't care what what they say. I don't care if they approve or not. I'm saying yes to Jesus in this space. See, but I think the problem is a lot of us, can I tell you something? When I preach these messages, there should be a mirror right here, okay? This isn't the guy that's just talking to you that's not going through life. This is a guy that's seeking to do his best, to follow Jesus, to to say yes to Jesus. But I'm just like you guys. And there are moments and spaces and places in my life that my fear of man supersedes my fear of God. But I face conviction, I confess those things, and I I realign myself back to Christ. But I think the issue in our culture today is a lot of us have bought into the lie of short-sighted Christianity. We've bought into the lie of short-sighted Christianity that we can't look past right now. We can't look past this current moment, this current persecution, this current hardship, this current fear to see what the eternal value is of saying yes to Jesus in this space. We get stuck in that little moment and we forget about the eternal glory that's been secured for us. We forget about the moment that we are nomads. We We are not of this world. We are aliens. That when we are in Christ, this is no longer our home. And we get short-sighted and we begin to try to gather up as much approval and, and comfort and security on this side of eternity. And we forget the fact that we don't actually belong here anymore. But we have an eternal place in heaven. And that we're aliens. And we're just here visiting. And while we're here, our job is to jump in and join in in this great campaign of sabotage. To win back the world. World domination, that's the goal. That's why we do what we do. But I think we get stuck in this short-sighted Christianity and we can't look past 7th grade. We can't look past ninth grade. We can't look past junior year. We can't look past that boyfriend who's going to break up with us after camp. We can't look past those moments and we get stuck. And that's a dangerous place when all of your obedience is built into a moment rather than eternity. You have to allow eternity To be your guide, you have to allow the fullness of what God's called you to to be your guide, not just your current circumstances. Because when we allow our current circumstances to supersede what Christ has finished on the cross and secured for us for eternity, we find ourselves short-sighted and fearing people more than fearing God. Because we think that this is our home. We think that this is the ultimate reality we have. And after this, there's nothing left. But when we live with eternity in mind, we realize that these yeses mean more than I think they do. These yeses impact more than just my moment. I remember when I gave my life to Christ, um, I told you guys that story just a little bit last night, and it was a couple years ago. Um, I sat down and I went through and I, I began to mark the amount of yeses it took for me to be able to give my life to Christ that night. And I won't go through all of them with you because there's about 200 that I kind of, uh, as I went through the whole story, there's about 200 people and 200 circumstances where individuals had to say yes to Jesus. It was more than just me sitting in the back row and responding to the gospel. Because you see that preacher who was there, he had to accept the event. He had to align himself with the call that God placed on his life. He had to say yes to be faithful to preach the scriptures. You see, but the church that he was preaching in had to be faithful to trust the Holy Spirit in them and booking that preacher. And the people in that church, there was, I mean, hundreds of people in that church that had to be faithful to give, to serve for this event to happen. There's over 500 college students. They fed all of us. Erica, the girl who invited me, she had to say yes to Jesus. Because I've, I've went back and I've talked to her. That was some, the most scared she's ever been, walking up to me to invite me to church. But before that, what I didn't know is that morning, her and her boyfriend Trey went on a coffee date. And Trey, in his quiet time, felt like the Lord told him, Hey, if you see Britain today, you need to make sure he's invited to church. Trey had to say yes to Jesus and then share it with his girlfriend. You see, but it goes even further because somebody led Trey to Christ. And so what I'm trying to get you to understand here is you don't realize what your yes right now could mean for somebody else's eternity someday. You don't realize at 13, 14, 16, 17 years old, what your yes to Jesus right now could mean for somebody else's life someday because we're stuck living in short-sighted Christianity. Because we're stuck only concerned with number one. And what Jesus is teaching to the disciples here is you need to fear and be aware of eternity rather than just your current circumstance. You need to look beyond this moment and look at eternity. Jesus, we skip down a little ways and he continues teaching and he says, and I say to you, anyone who acknowledges me before the Son of Man will also acknowledge him before the angels of God. But whoever denies me before others will be denied before the angels of God. This leads to a question Does your life acknowledge Christ? Does your life acknowledge Christ? If we were to gather 10 of your closest friends, people that you interact with all the time, the person you buy your energy drink from at the convenience store every morning, the person that teaches your math class, the people who raise you, your parents, if we were to take an overall consensus and survey of all those people and ask, Does Joe follow Jesus? What would they say? Does your lifestyle acknowledge Christ? Does the way you submit and obey your parents acknowledge Christ? Some of you in here, maybe your parents don't follow Jesus. You're still called to love and to submit to them. And that is you preaching the gospel to your family. Does your locker room know you follow Jesus? Does your friend group know you follow Jesus? Does your life acknowledge Christ outside of these gates? Are you kind of a 10 days a year kind of person? does your life acknowledge Christ? Because there's an eternity's difference in knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus. There's an eternity's difference in knowing all the right answers and actually knowing Jesus. There's an eternity's difference. And Jesus is calling us to a reckless abandonment of self. I love, great song choice, hey? Yeah, we didn't even talk about it. That's the Spirit of God right there. But Jesus is calling us to a reckless abandonment of self. Right? We talked about it last night. It's going to be a continued theme because you'll come to understand. Paul and I, pretty simple dudes. There's one message. We're just going to package it a little differently every night. But at the end of the day, when we leave Indian Springs, my heart desire is that you would deny yourself, you would acknowledge Christ, you'd submit to his way, his will, and his kingdom, and that you'd tell everybody you know. Can I tell you something? I believe in my heart of hearts, I've given my life call to this, that your generation will be the one that sees the world one for Christ. I believe that. I have spent days upon days upon days on my face before the Lord praying for you praying for your generation, praying for Gen Z. I've given my life call to giving you everything I have, everything I know for the sake of you seeing the world one for Christ. Matthew 24 teaches us that when this gospel of the kingdom is preached to all nations, then the end will come, and I believe your generation will be the one that gets it done. With the way you love and belong to movements, the way that you guys want to see people come alongside and see people belong to something that gives them identity and hope, if we can center all of that energy on the gospel... Jesus might come back by the end of the week. I believe in your generation. I believe in you. I believe in you. I believe in you. I believe in every single one of you. Because I know that if you deny yourself, you acknowledge Christ, you reset yourself back to his will, and you say yes to him, that the Christ in you will change the world. The Christ in you will change the world. But the gifts and the talents and the passions and the hearts that he's placed in this outdoor tabernacle sweating together today, this world could never be the same if you said yes to Jesus. Your neighborhood could never be the same if you said yes to Jesus. But it's going to take us first acknowledging Christ in our own life, acknowledging Christ in our sin, acknowledging Christ in what we submit to, Last night we talked about sin and surrendering sin and surrendering idols. And I know that some of you guys came up. And I want to give you just some practical pieces of of advice, of encouragement to, to how you move forward from here. If last night you felt like the Spirit of God placed a prompting on your heart that you need to surrender some sin, you need to tell somebody. That does not need to be a secret. You don't need to carry it into next week. You don't need to wait until you get home. You need to find somebody here that you trust. I'd encourage you that it be somebody older than you, maybe a counselor, maybe a leader, maybe a staff member. But you need to tell them the sin in your life that you need to expose because when you expose it to the light, darkness cannot exist. You need to tell somebody. You need to out loud tell somebody. Second practical piece, if you were confessing sin last night, You need to replace the behavior. You need to replace that behavior. So if there's a place in your life that you consistently find yourself falling into sin, maybe it's in your room at night with nobody else there, what are you going to do in that space to ensure that you don't fall back into that sin pattern? You need to replace that behavior. And the best part about having counselors here is you guys can begin to brainstorm and workshop out what is it going to look like for me to practically reshape and realign my whole lifestyle with the teachings of Jesus. How am I going to replace these sin behaviors and these patterns in my life that I've continuously submitted to so that when I go home from here, this isn't just a spiritual high, just like this little B12 shot that gives me all this energy, but this is something that's sustainable. This is something that continues. This is something that goes beyond the now and into forever. You need to replace that behavior. But first and foremost, you need to make sure that you are wholly committed to your life acknowledging Christ first. Jesus continues into verse 25. So 25, Jesus says, Can any of you add one moment to his life by worrying? If then you're not able to do even the little thing, why worry about the rest? see, guys, our worry is rooted in the small things. And a lot of you guys, you stood up and you said, Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I trust you. And I would even go even further that I think our fear at the end of the day is in the simple fact of, will Jesus still be there? If I radically realign my life, will he leave me in it or will he come with me? If we're going to live beyond short-sighted Christianity, it's going to take that first night teaching, it's going to take, take that first response that you said, and we are going to have to trust that Jesus sees us, that he values us, and that he has a plan set for us. That if we say yes to him, even though maybe it won't make sense all the time, that at the end of the day, he is working something out for our good. I remember when I first uh, became a Christian, I was, I was engaged at that time uh, to a girl. Her and I, uh, we started dating in high school. We dated for like five years up to this point. We got engaged. It was not a God-honoring relationship in any form or manner. And I remember one of the first cries of my heart was, Lord, will you make this a God-honoring relationship? Lord, I want this to be something that brings you glory. I want this to bring something, be something that brings you honor and praise. I remember weeks went by and she was back in Oklahoma and I was in Kansas. And just as my life continued and I continued to, to feel what God was calling me to, there was a moment in Houston, Texas where I gave Jesus my yes. And we'll talk about that later this week. Um, but I remember as I came home from that, like I was fired up. Like I knew what I was going to do. I, I was felt like I was called to full-time ministry. I remember I called this girl at the time who was my fiance. We were engaged to be married. Like wedding venue booked, not just like thought about it. I called her and I said, I know what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. God is calling me to full-time ministry. And on the phone, she said, I'm not marrying a Christian. And I said, well, it looks like we're not getting married. And we hung up that phone. I haven't talked to her since then. Five years gone. I remember for the next, like, six, seven months, I was so mad at God. Lord, I prayed to you that you would make this God-honoring. I gave you my, I did everything you asked me to do, and you leave me here in this pain? It was almost three and a half years ago to the day, about three days ago, actually, that I walked into the Raven in Big Rapids, Michigan, to sit down at a table with Hope Cole. And I went on a date with this girl, and we had a conversation. We talked about hermeneutics on our first date, which if you don't know what that is, Bible nerd. She ordered a cheeseburger and she loved Jesus. And I remember as I drove from Big Rapids back to Manistee, which is about an hour and a half drive, the whole time I wept. And I said, Lord, I'm sorry that I didn't trust you. Because, guys, he answered my prayer. He made that relationship years before God honoring when he took it away. And he had set apart something for me so much more than I could have ever imagined. And all I had to do was trust him. So I'm telling you right now, don't fear right now. Say yes to Jesus and trust that he's got a better idea. See, but here's the issue, I think. We're not God, and that's been our biggest concern since the garden. Adam and Eve, at the end of the day, they didn't trust God's word. They fell into the original sin. did God really say? Did God really say? And they began to fear and not trust the reality and the truth of what God had set before them. Verse 31, Jesus continues. And so instead of fearing these small things, now we need to seek his kingdom. And these things will be provided for you. Don't be afraid, little flock, because your father delights to give you the kingdom. I love here this, just in these, just in verse 32, we see a full picture of the character of God. We see a full picture of the fullness of who God is. Don't be afraid, little flock, points to the fact that God is our shepherd, that He is our protector, He is our provider, He is the one that makes us lie down in green pastures, He is the one that is there with us providing. And then it continues, because your Father is. Delights. He's a father. Remember, I talked about last night that through studying the scriptures with Paul, I experienced the love of a father in a spiritual way. I encourage you that God sees you. He loves you. He wants the best for you. He's going to correct you. He's going to realign you. The best dad you could ever imagine, he's better. He's a father. And some of you in here, your whole struggle with trusting Jesus is your earthly daddy issues. And I'm right there with you. I've got them. I've had them. I'm a child of brokenness. My parents got divorced when I was seven years old. My mom dated around dudes who were abusive to her and to us. I did not trust men that claimed to be fathers until I was 20-something years old. And I'm going to be honest, it wasn't until I sat at a table. Shoot, man, I told him I wasn't going to cry. But God showed me that he loved me more than I could ever imagine. And that even though on this side of eternity, I'd experienced the sin of the world through brokenness, that he had something better. And I want you guys in here to know that you have a father that loves you, that sees you, that cares about you that wants the best for you, that's going to walk alongside you, that's not going to lead you, that isn't domineering and abusive, but is loving and corrective and kind and generous. That's the heart of the Father. And he sees you and he loves you. We've got a shepherd. We've got a father. and continues. And he delights to give you the kingdom. We've got a king. We've got one that has finished the work. We do not submit to a God that is less than anything. He reigns supreme. He is the complete authority of this world, everything in it, and everything outside of it. He is the king, and he wants us to belong to his kingdom. And he delights to give it to you. He's a shepherd, he's a father, and he's a king. That's who God is. That's who he wants to be for you in your life. So don't live in the short-sightedness of just right now, but fix your eyes on Jesus and the eternal value of what saying yes to him can be. Acknowledge Christ. Submit to him. Confess your sins and say yes to Jesus. That's the reality of what your life can be. He's not going to leave you in your brokenness. He's not going to leave you in your shame. No, but he's going to restore you and bring you into new life because he loves you and he sees you and he wants the best for you, all right? Let's go change the world. Let's do it together.